0: Welcome to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're so happy that you're here with us. We're those friends that you can take with you wherever you are on the path of infertility. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Springs in the Desert podcast. I'm Anne, and I'm here with my good friend and sidekick, or am I the sidekick, Kimberly?
1: (laughs) I'm the sidekick for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are yeah. so happy to be with you today to talk about something we've been thinking a lot about. We know it has to be on your minds too. And that is the comparison game. And I think as women, we especially fall into this game, but it's not fun. It's you know, it's that time where we are comparing ourselves, our lives, um, our marriages. Um, just generally, but especially within this experience of infertility, we can certainly have a tendency to look at other people and think that they have it all together. They have everything that that we want. Um, And and we can really start to feel down on ourselves, down on our marriages. It just brings up a lot of questions and temptations. Um, So we wanted to talk about this um, and we thought a great person to bring back to discuss it with us is a guest that we had on, uh, previously we'll link to her episode in the show notes, Sterling Jayquith. Sterling, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, ladies. Thanks for bringing me back. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. We are so excited to dive into the comparison game with you. But before we do that, for those who may not have heard that original episode, can you just share with us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
2: Absolutely. So um, I am a life coach and I never thought that I would say that with such um, confidence and pride because I definitely thought life coaching sounded hinky and weird. So you guys can go listen to the first episode to hear about how I changed my mind about that because we are allowed to change our minds. Um, So now I'm a life coach and I help Catholic women learn how to love their lives like just genuinely enjoy the life that they're living, not their fantasy life, which we're going to talk about today, and just really learning how to see themselves the way that God sees them, because He just loves us so much, and He's so proud of us, and and He never makes mistakes. And so what we're living right now, He perfectly and specially picked out just for us, and yet so often our our like our fingers are in our ears and we're just telling him, no, no, Lord, everything's wrong. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And so we don't, we don't hear his grace. We don't feel his presence. Um, and we don't get to hear what he, why he made us this way, what he's hoping for us to do and to learn. And so we'll kind of unpack that a little bit today as we talk about this idea of comparing, you know, your, your hoped for life, your prayed for life with the life that you're living today.
0: Awesome. That is a great setup for our discussion. And I have to admit, Sterling, that I very often have my fingers in my ears. <laughs> yes. Um, or sometimes I describe it like the radio, like God is trying to come in, but like I'm fiddling with the knob because I don't want to yeah. hear exactly what he's saying. So that, yeah, that that describes it perfectly. Well, I want to start our conversation by just kind of talking generally about how we as women can really fall into this comparison game. And I think for me, one of the ways that it happens is when I go on social media. And, you know, I'm doing the scroll through Instagram and I see, you know, kind of these lives that look to me like they're so perfect, whether it's the home or the woman with the makeup and, you know, all of that sort of thing. And then I just really begin to feel down on myself. I feel down on my marriage and, and I can really end up spiraling. And then when you add on this cross of infertility and I see those pictures of, you know, the, the mom and dad and the however many kids and they all, you know, have on these pretty outfits. Yeah. Um, then I, I just, you know, again, my, my thoughts just end up kind of spiraling. Um, and, and it leads me sometimes down dangerous roads and, and very kind of tempting roads. So, I mean, what, what's the danger of the comparison game? What, what does that kind of do to us? As women.
2: Yeah. And before I answer that, I just wanna explain that we all do that because we have a human brain. So I think, you know, we have this idea like, oh, if they really knew how judgmental I was, they would not think that I was very Catholic. And the truth is a hundred percent of us are judgmental because that was a very important skill that our brain used to need. Even in like Laura Ingalls' time. So, like, forget medieval time where you're like, could see people coming down the road and you were like, are they going to kill me or not? Like it was very important that you judged their clothes and their facial expressions and were there women with them, right? And particularly for women, you had to constantly be judging people and your surroundings to keep yourself alive. So now it's been like at least a hundred years where we haven't had to do that. Probably the only time you really have to do that is if you're walking down a city street and you see like a sketchy person at night walking towards you and that will flare where you're like, "Ooh, who is that person? What are they wearing? What, you know, and you, you may cross the street to keep yourself safe. So I just want to explain to everybody, this is a completely normal human brain function. It's one of its core programmings, right? And it just misfires now. So now it just misfires onto matchy Instagram outfits and, you know, oh, don't we look fabulous at our date night? And I'm always like, how do people afford a date night with sitters and the time? And I never understand it or beautiful homes. So I just want all of you to know it is not a sterling problem, right? I am not a judgy person. It is a human problem. It is a human brain. So I would like all of you guys to just take a deep breath i just be like, oh, I feel better about that now. I feel like less of an awful person. So the judgy thing is totally normal. Then the danger, of course, is when we have thoughts, when we have thoughts about somebody else's life and we plant them in our mind. So you plant the thought, she must be happier. Her life must be better her kids must be more fulfilled, her marriage looks yummier, whatever it is that we're thinking, right? We plant those weeds in our minds and then we just water them. And almost every single one can be summed up by saying, I'm not good enough. All of them end up there where the punchline is, I'm not good enough because if I was, I'd have those things. My life would look like that. I would be happier. And so it's good to just recognize that those are what we call thought errors. It's just not true. It's just a lie. And I don't like to spend a lot of time thinking about where my lies come from. Because the lies come from the devil and our culture and the magazines and even our friends who unwittingly like kind of perpetuate some of these judgments and these lies. It doesn't really matter where they come from but we want to identify them and pull them out. And so the biggest thing that I teach as a life coach to 100% of the women, because we're all doing this, right, is this. It is never better there than here. And it is so hard for us to believe that. It is never better there than here. And the easiest way for you to see that is about your house. Or your apartment, or wherever you live, because there was a time when you dreamed and prayed for this house or this apartment. And you thought if we could just get out of the other place and we could just get into this place, everything would be better. Right. But it's always a balance, right, of positive and negative things. So we just did this. We lived in Boise, which is kind of a bigger city. And I had this idea if we could just move to the country, it would be so much better if we just had land, right? Then I could make the kids go outside and they would play and they wouldn't drive me bananas, right? And so we did. We bought five acres in northern Idaho. I now live like in the middle of nowhere, northern Idaho. And you know what? The internet sucks. And you know what else? It takes a long time to mow five acres. And you know what? There are lots of wasps on my property. You can't pest control wasps on five acres. Okay? And that is such an easy thing for us to see. I thought this house would be great, but every house is wonky. Every house has its quirkiness. Every neighborhood has its challenges. Right? And it wasn't actually better here in this new house or apartment or wherever we live than the previous one. It's a pretty much a balance of 50-50. 50% 50 positive things, 50% negative things. And so it's good to just know this principle because once you know this principle, if you're ready, and we don't do this when we're in a lot of pain, but when you're ready, you can tell yourself it isn't better there than here. Your life will be The same level of pain if you had three kids, or if you were married to someone else, or if you lived in a different city. So, as I say that, tell me what your brain thinks about that. Because some of you, your brain will be like, I don't believe you. So, tell me what your brain is
0: offering you. I love that, Sterling. And I think it speaks, and you're the expert, so you can tell me, but it seems like it speaks somewhat also to kind of shifting our perspective or understanding our perspective i almost said attitude but i think we kind of throw that around like it's easy just change your attitude right. right um so i think that's a little bit too simplistic but but it it does require i think a little bit of maybe examining our perspective you know i have two nieces who are getting married within i think like 10 months 8 or 10 months of each other mm-hmm from the same, like their sisters too. So God bless their mom and dad, right? Doing two weddings in that short period of time. Um, But they've asked me, they both have asked me for my advice because Mm. they're saying, oh, there's so much to do and plan. And, you know, of course they want it to be great. They want it to be a perfect day. But what I have said to them is as much as you want that day to be perfect and there's nothing wrong with that, whatever happens and things will go wrong that is what makes it yours mm, yeah that is what makes it your story and part of who you are and so even the imperfections are they i mean they're they're part of the fabric of our story and and they make it you know they make it ours so i i feel like that's maybe a little bit of what you're talking about just in terms of looking at your circumstance and kind of maybe seeing it in perspective rather than through those uh, Instagram colored goggles.
2: I love that you use the word perspective because I like to talk about it in terms of glasses, right? And when we're wearing my life sucks glasses, right? We see all the evidence that our life is not the way that we want it right? And we see, and, and by the way, when we wear my, my life sucks glasses, we see like, oh, my husband isn't the way that I wanted and my body isn't the way that I wanted. And all of these different things pop up because we're wearing like blue colored glasses where it makes everything look blue. And instead, when we just notice, oh, I'm wearing those glasses where I think everything is hard and everything is painful and nothing is going the way that I want. If we can remove those glasses, which is that perspective piece that we put on the how is this great for me, how is this perfect for me glasses, which is different than gratitude and blessings. I feel like we throw around gratitude and blessings a lot, like just write it in a journal and everything will be better, right? And then we do that and it is it. So we all know that that doesn't totally work. And I think it's because if we're wearing the blue glasses, And we're writing in the journal, thank you, God, for my house. Thank you, God, for my dog. Thank you for my mom. Right? Like we do that and it feels terrible. And then we have judgment about ourselves because we're like, everyone said the gratitude thing worked. But it's not working for me. So it must be something wrong with me. It's so easy for us to just spiral in this self-deprecating, you know, shame spiral. But if we take the glasses off and we say, how is this house really perfect for me right now? Like when we look back in our life and we see whatever house we lived in before and we say, how is that so perfect for that time? How did I really need that in that time? It shows us that we have the ability to rewrite how we see something. And I like to pick the house because it's the easiest We don't have as many emotional attachments to it. So we can quite clearly see, oh, when we were young and we moved into that cute little place and we had, you know, Craigslist furniture and the neighbors were loud or whatever it is, we can say it kind of with silliness and fondness. Then we can try to do it with something a little more challenging. So on my podcast, I have not, uh, I've been very transparent about how challenging my marriage is. My husband and I both come from divorced parents and we've had a very hard time being happy in our marriage and it can feel like I married the wrong guy or he's not trying hard enough or if he could just change this thing about himself, then, then we could be happy, right? When I'm wearing blue colored glasses, that's what I see. But in my calmer moments and when I'm walking more closely with the Lord, usually after I've, you know, gone to confession and regular sacraments and spending time in adoration, those things are very powerful, you guys, right? Those things are like clearing off the smudge in your glasses. And so when I'm in that place, I can ask myself, how is this the perfect husband for me? And I can always find a lot of evidence of that. I can see, well, it makes a lot of sense that God put us together. And in a lot of ways, we are strong. In a lot of ways, we complement each other. And of course, I needed a guy who was like this. And I could begin to see that. And so that is the gift of changing our perspective, changing our glasses, and being willing and brave to ask that question and it just opens up our hearts and our minds to this idea that maybe what i have is really perfect for me right now. So i think that's what we can do about the instagram thing, right? We can say that's so great for her. We always want to like lift her up who we whoever we see like ah oh, praise be god that she's having a great day or she's on a date or She did the matchy outfit thing, right? And they're so, which first of all, let me just tell you as someone who has kids, that's always the worst day. It's just the worst day. Everyone cries and you're like, we spent $98 on pajamas. No one likes them. And that's one of the reasons I don't do that on Instagram because now I just know like, oh, it's a poop show every time. Just every time. But (laughs) just knowing that we can like celebrate and honor her for whatever she's going through and just know that her life is the same level of painful as your life, right? We are all living a 50-50 life, a full human experience, all of the spectrum of our feelings. And she has really difficult things too. And I, I know that now because I have a couple friends who have like delightfully perfect marriages. They'll just say, we never fight. Everything's great. It's still like when we were dating. And I'm like, what? It's like unfathomable to me. But all of those families who do have, and I believe them, they do have really lovely marriages. They have different crosses. I see them. They have different crosses that are just as painful to them. And so I think that's where we can bring compassion and humanity to each other as we say, I celebrate her blessings and I'm just going to pray for whatever her crosses are. I may not even be able to see them, but I know that she has them. And it takes the sting out of our own a little bit when we're having that moment.
0: Oh, I love every bit of that. There is so much packed into everything that you said. I love all of it, but I really like that note that you ended on with the sort of affirming that vision that we see on social media or, you know, in our neighborhood or in the pews or whatever it might be, um praying for them. And I think even if like even if that's hard, like even if we have to say, "But Lord, I'm still kind of jealous," so like Mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> help, help me. Okay. I'm saying these words. I might not a hundred percent feel them, but I want to, yes. you know, so I, I think it's okay for us to come with that sort of imperfect, yes. you know, prayer. Um, we don't have to wait until it's, you know, absolutely kind of believe it. Um, so that, and also Sterling, it's super affirming that you are a life coach but that you have problems and crosses too, so yes. <laughs> so it, you know there's something sort of comforting about that. Like nobody in this life is walking through with perfection. You know, we're we're all on the road. We all have you know these crosses, and and we do need to really lift each other up. So, uh, yeah, a hundred percent to everything that you just shared. Um, one of the things that I think is really hard for us, um, with this kind of comparison is, um, that temptation to think either our life or our husband's life would have been so much better, uh, without us. We, we actually hear this from people in our community who say, um, you know, maybe I married the wrong person or my husband would have a family now if it were not for me. Um, how, I mean, that's obviously a really dangerous road to go down, a really tempting road. How can we kind of redirect those kinds of thoughts, those sorts of temptations, because they're not of God? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to husbands,
2: both because they're men and they're just a different human than you they experience things differently and it's so tempting to judge their experience um i've had 11 miscarriages and the way that my husband grieves that is very very different than the way that i grieve that and i remember in the beginning looking at his reaction and thinking like why isn't he crying or why doesn't he seem more upset or and for some of you, it will be the opposite, right? Like maybe your husband's having a, a bigger or more visible um, experience than than you're showing, right? We all grieve in very different ways. And each time is different too. And so just giving him space to have whatever experience he's going to have. And because we want two things. We tend to go in with defensive energy where we tend to like try to talk them out of their thoughts. And we're like, well, and you're doing it. You're like, offer it up, or this is our cross, or we're in this together, right? Instead of just giving him space to feel his feelings and have his pain, right? Or we will go in and we ask him to not express his feelings. We'll say, hey, don't do that. Or why can't you do it more? We'll judge whatever his experience is. And so, one of the things I think we can do, particularly with husbands, is just sit with them in their pain. And I talk about it like sitting in the mud with someone. And we don't say, get up, get out of the mud. We don't say, I'll clean you off. We just sit down and we sit in the mud with them. And we say, this is probably pretty painful for you too. Even if you don't understand how or why he's processing it the way that he is, just giving him space to process it in his way. Because no two people process grief and pain the same way. And I don't even think we process it the same way every time. And so just allowing him to have his thoughts and his experiences, he may have a day where he thinks, maybe I should have married someone else and then I could have had kids. And I think in our humanness, we can understand that reaction. We can understand that he's having a bad day we have all thought things momentarily about our spouse that isn't what we really believe. It isn't, we don't, like you can think, I hate that guy and you don't really hate that guy and you love that guy and you would choose to marry him again, right? But we can all have those momentary human experiences and I think just allowing him the space to do that We live in a culture that doesn't teach men how to express their feelings, and none of them are prepared for this, right? They think they're going to get married and have kids and go to the office and drink scotch, right? Like, that's kind of what we tell them. And you think there's not a lot of support for women who are struggling with infertility? There's almost no support for men struggling with that. And they don't know how to talk about it. And so I think the first step, right, is just acceptance of where he's at and not making it mean anything about you. And that is a PhD level mindset task. Because if your husband in a, in a moment of grief says, maybe I shouldn't have gotten married at all if I wasn't meant to have a family. And that feels like a knife going through your stomach right? It's a PhD level response to just say, oh, he is in so much pain right now. I'm just going to love him through this. I'm just going to give him space. And if that's not the way that you're reacting, that's okay. That's what I say. That's what I say, like, you know, I think it takes time and practice to be able to react to those situations with perfect peace and love and grace. But I will tell you that it is possible. It is possible to allow your husband to have his own human experience and say whatever he's going to say and not allow it to tattoo any sense of identity on you. You don't have to take it on. You could just allow him to have space and allow him to think what he's going to in that moment. And all you have to think is, I love that guy and he's in a lot of pain right now. And I know what it feels like to be in a lot of pain too. That's where we find connection even when we're having very different experiences and it's hard ladies I just want to say that like I know I'm telling I'm giving you the prescription but it's hard to do that actually
0: yeah it is hard but there's there's so much wisdom there and I think yeah we as women <clears throat> we can have this tendency to compare the way that we grieve or the way that we respond to this situation of infertility we compare that with our husbands and it's really not it's not an apples to apples comparison, is it? Because as you said, you know, they're different. Not only do we have different um, family of origin that we bring and our personalities, but the male-female uh, dynamic is
1: is so different too. Um, Kimberly, what yeah. I... Yeah, I was just thinking about that. One of the men on our team, um, um, he has shared that, you know, when he really figured out that they were not going to be able to, to have children, um, he, he said he really wasn't that sad about it. He just thought, well, okay, I'm just going to get more toys. I'm just going to, I guess this is it, you know, we're just going to get to travel more. We're just going to, and he kind of, you know, was like, I'm okay with this. And then he turned and he looked at his wife and she was in such grief that, I mean, it, it kind of startled him. He couldn't understand it. And then he really turned towards her and they started going through counseling together and he began to learn and understand his wife better. And, and it's just so beautiful to see them. They're, they're, they're great. They're on our team. They're amazing. They just really witnessed to how, you know, The level of, of intimacy that can be gained as, you know, going through a struggle such as this, where, where at first glance, it may seem that it would really drive the couple apart from one another, but in the end, it really turned them towards one another. And they began to just grow so closely together that you could just see the fruitfulness coming from their union, you know, just the, um, the love that they, the love, the depth of that love that they have for one another. And, um, and in the difference, you know, in that respect of difference that, that it is so so different for the man and the woman. Um, but it's so beautiful. It's just beautiful to witness that, to see that that, that can come as a result of such pain.
2: Absolutely. And, and no two people grieve the same way. And so I think the way that we connect with each other is just knowing that we have all experienced loss all of us, all humans have experienced disappointment and loss. And that's where we can meet each other, even if, you know, the circumstance of the loss doesn't feel the same to each other. And and I think that is the key to this kind of Crisis and really epidemic of the growing numbers of couples who cannot have children is to just love each other through loss and support each other deeply and teach them how to turn to each other instead of away because you know that is possible.
0: I love all of it. Um, so good, so much wisdom there, Sterling. We could probably talk to you for another hour, but we don't have another hour. But I, um, I want us to maybe kind of, as we're closing out, talk about some, uh, maybe not necessarily strategies, but um, because that just sounds so, um, I don't know, kind of clinical, right? But some really sort of practical um, ways that we can kind of head off those comparisons or as you said at the beginning, it, it's kind of normal. It's a human thing, right, to to make those kinds of judgments, to make those kinds of comparisons. But what would you say are some ways that we can kind of stop that in our tracks and say, okay, hold on, I'm I'm making a comparison here. I'm not really looking at reality. How can we sort of redirect and um, and maybe do some practical and positive things, um, and that also take care of ourselves. Yeah. So
2: first, just acknowledging that you're just having a human reaction, right? I every time I'm jealous, I just go, "Oh, Sterling, you're just having a human reaction right now." Um, somebody, I've been looking at the a, a Subaru that sits eight people. Um, and somebody at our Paris just like bought it. Like they just went and bought it and they just showed up with this brand new car. And the most expensive car I've ever bought was like $6,600. Right. And it was like a janky car at an auction. Um, and so like to spend 40 or $50,000 on a car at the moment just feels like unfathomable. And I was so jealous and I love this family. So it has nothing to do with them, but just knowing like, of course, I'm human and humans get jealous and it doesn't mean I'm a terrible person. Now, if I stopped talking to that person and if I kept planting and watering jealousy, that would be bad. But just your, your first thought, it's not a problem, ladies. It's just not. Like we're going to let those thoughts come up and we're going to go, oh, wow, I just was really jealous right there. That's interesting. And so just knowing that it's part of your humanness. And then the next thing is really just knowing that life is 50-50. It is never better there than here, right? And any mom who struggled with infertility can tell you that for those of you that have then been able to adopt children or foster children or have a baby, it's very hard. You were not perfectly happy. It did not solve all of your problems. Then you can argue with your husband about how to raise kids, right? We're just going to bring in new challenging things. And so like we talked about with the house, it's the same right? If you got married to a different guy, he would do new things that bothered you. I promise. Okay. It's never better there than here. Our ability to manage our thinking and have peace is the same wherever we go. So we can improve that. You can improve how you perceive your world. And we talked about that you can improve that and then carry that with you in every new situation. But your life will not feel better if you have more money or lose 20 pounds or have a baby, right? You will still have the full human experience. And so it's just good when you're ready. We don't have to force ourselves to do that. But just opening your mind up to, huh, I wonder what's hard about that thing that I want. I wonder what, like, for example, if we bought a brand new car, I bet I would be a crazy person about that car because right now when my kids scratch my car or spill things in it, I'm like, whatever it is a janky car. Like nobody's trying to keep this thing pristine. And I bet it's really stressful to buy a new car. And I bet it, it causes you like, and then when I, when you go down our driveway, we have all these trees. And I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, would the trees scratch the car? If we got a nicer car and this is a silly example, but you can, in that you can see, oh, there are challenges with every life situation. It is never better there than here. And the sooner we realize that, the more peace we can have here. And we can still dream and we can still desire things, but we can just know when I get there, I will have different things to deal with. And that's okay because God is with me and my strength comes from the Lord. And he gives me all of my challenges every single day. And he never gives me something that I can't deal with. And that's going to be true today. And it's going to be true in the future, no matter what my life circumstances look like. And I think that's where we can really have peace. And that's a very practical tool. It is a very practical strategy when you are thinking that your life would be better to just wonder, huh, I wonder what's challenging about that. If I were to have that life and all of a sudden it helps dissolve your jealousy a little bit more because we just, we notice, Oh, she's probably having a human experience in that life as well. And there are things that are difficult there. So I think that is what I would invite all of you into. It's just, just noticing, Oh, life is 50, 50. Every single phase that I've been in, in my life was good and challenging. And it will continue to be true for the whole rest of your life. And I think that there's a deep peace that we can find in that.
0: I love that. I wrote it down. What is hard about that thing that I want yeah. so much wisdom in that not dismissing those desires, those really good desires, or or meaning that it won't be tough anymore if I just kind of put that question out there. But again, back to that kind of shifting of perspective that is probably a, a not just a daily, but sometimes for us like a minute by minute practice that that we need to have. Um, so, so good. So much wisdom. Sterling, we wish we could talk to you a lot longer, but we know that our other friends in this community can find you Um, and gain some of your wisdom. So how can, um, how can they find you? Yeah. So if you go to madeforgreatness.co, you'll find
2: us. If you accidentally put the M on the end of that, you will find weird, creepy Russian guy who sells perfume and you will know that you are not in the right place. So then you'll go back to madeforgreatness.co and you can find our podcast there. Um, And as I mentioned in the last episode, we have a life coaching membership for Catholic moms. And some of you, might be able to join that membership, even if you are not yet a mother who's had her own biological children and some of you will not be ready for that. So, you know, you talk to the Lord about that. The Lord brings us everyone that we're supposed to work with when we're supposed to work with them. And one thing I didn't mention in the last time we spoke Um, but might be relevant to some of you is I actually am a business coach. So I help Catholic women build businesses that are simple and holy and profitable. And so I have a business podcast as well for those of you um, who want to be entrepreneurs and who want to make money doing something, particularly from home. So you can check that out. Um, That podcast is called Made for Business. So it's it's part of the same company, but it's for those of you that kind of fit that category. And I think sometimes we find ourselves with more time and a calling on our hearts. And I work with women who feel that way. And it's not all of us, but you'll know if it's you. So I just appreciate you guys having me here and the ministry that you do. It's so needed and it's so important. And I know that you are just touching so many hearts and healing them with this work.
0: Well, thank you so much, Sterling. We appreciate having you here and those words of affirmation. We will link Sterling's information in the show notes. And until next time, please remember that God loves you so much, and so do we. Thank you so much for joining us for this Springs in the Desert podcast episode. If you have a minute, please rate and review us so that we can reach more listeners. Check out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram and go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter and hear about more things that we have going on. Most importantly, remember that God loves you so much and so do we.